Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8-Side Network. Dwight Hicks joins us on Sports Byline, former San Francisco 49ers defensive back and now a very successful movie and television actor. And he started his career in the CFL with Toronto, went on to play seven seasons with the 49ers and then finished up with the Colts. And he played his college ball at Michigan and went on to play in four Pro Bowls. And he won two Super Bowls with the 49ers and was a key player on the 49ers dynasty in the 1980s. I know you grew up in New Jersey. Take me back there. Tell me about how you grew up. Well, uh, first we lived in, in Camden. Uh, my mother and uh, my brothers and one sister. Uh, my father died when I was 11, so he never got to see me play. But I was raised by my mother. No one in our family had played sports before. Uh, and then... Um, I can remember one Halloween, I was coming home from uh, trick-or-treating, and someone pulled a knife on me, a switchblade, to take my candy. And I wasn't going to give it to them. They cut the string, my bag dropped, they took it and ran away. So my mother thought, i got to get my kids out of here. So the next year, we moved to Pensacola, New Jersey, Pensacola Township. And I can remember uh, going to the store. She sent me to the store for a, a female product. Uh, they were called Kotex. I think it was like Playtex, Kotex. And I didn't want to go. She said, boy, you better go around that store and, and uh, uh, give me you know, what I need. And, and I reluctantly, kicked it, kicking and screaming, went to go get it. But while I was there, I saw on the back of the cast register uh, a picture from the newspaper with these kids my age in football uniforms. And I had never played uh, organized football. You know, we threw the ball around, you know, two-hand touch, but I had never played organized football. And when I saw that, boy, I took that female product and went cutting back and forth in the street uh, like it was a football going home. And I was out of breath. I said, Mom, Mom, I, I saw this picture of these guys in a football uniform. Can I play next year? And she said, yes. So that was uh, in 1967 
was my first year playing Pop Warner football with the PYAA Panthers, which is the Pensalkin Youth Athletically uh, Association, which had great uh, uh, sports programs for kids. I have to ask you something that I have heard time and time again in African-American families about the strength of the black woman. I mean, if it's a single-parent home and it happens to be the mother, I've heard great stories about the strength and the things that they've given up. Tell me a little bit about why that is, and tell me about your mother. Well, uh, I think that is because during slavery, uh, when a male was emasculated in front of uh, the women, because the male was a dominant force, and when you emasculate them, uh, the only way that they would feel maybe not so emasculated is if they're women, the females. They, they, they tended their wounds and told them that they are still strong. And I think it was because the black woman had to do that in order for... Uh, there are men uh, to still feel like they maybe weren't emasculated. My mother uh, was uh, a, a, a very strong person. She grew up in uh, uh, Prattville, Alabama. And uh, I can't imagine some of the things that she had seen as a child. But she always told me I could be anything I wanted to be, but just to put my best foot forward. She told me to that no one was better than me, but I was no better than anyone else. So treat people like I would like them to treat me. And, Ron, that has taken me around the world uh, because I do give people time. I want them to treat me and see them as myself. So when I interact with them, uh, it's like I'm giving uh, that same courtesy as I would want. After growing up in New Jersey, you found your way to the state of Michigan, playing University of Michigan football there. One, how does a kid out of New Jersey end up in Michigan? And two, tell me about the first time you ever met Bo Schembechler. Well, the first time I met him, he came to uh, my high school, and uh, people were saying, you know, I was going around the school, Bo Schembechler's here, Bo Schembechler's here. And he came to see me. And so um, I went down there and I met him. But the reason why he came to see me is because he was in town looking at an offensive tackle uh, at a rival high school at Woodrow Wilson. I, I believe the gentleman, the, the student, the football athlete, was named Bill Banks. And so he was looking at Bill Banks and Woodrow Wilson, and I guess I kept showing up in the um, in the picture. And so he asked the coach, "Who is that? That, that number twenty-one? Who who is that guy?" And uh, Joe Corby was a head football coach at Woodrow Wilson. He said, "That's Dwight Hicks." And he said, uh, "Bo said, do you think I should go see him?" And Corby said, "Oh yeah, he's a very fine athlete." And that's how uh, Michigan began to recruit me. And I was all set just about to go to Penn State. Uh, but I told Bo that I would promise that I would visit the school. And when I went to Michigan, 
for my visits. I remember looking at that stadium and thinking, wow, I have to play here. Now, it was a great academic institution, but also I had never seen anything like that stadium. And also, Michigan uh, was a team that would play in the Rose Bowl or have a chance to play. And I could remember um, um, uh, the, the announcer uh, who used to announce all the Rose Bowls, speaking of the granddaddy of them all. And I'm like, yes, that's where I want to play. I want to go to Michigan so I get a chance to play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that was Keith Jackson, of course, with Keith ABC. Keith Jackson, yes. <laughs> oh, Nelly! <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there are great rivalries in college sports, but I don't think there is one that is any greater than the Michigan-Ohio State one. And I know I've talked to other players from both those universities about what it was like. Give me your perspective on that rivalry. Well, this is my first observation of that rival. Um, my freshman year, we were playing Ohio State in Columbus. And right after a, um, a movie, we had dinner and then we had a movie as a team. We watched a, a movie. And so after that movie, I went to, the, to my room, and I liked documentaries. And I was flipping the channels, and I saw this documentary. And they were talking about how what is now Ohio, or Toledo, Ohio, the people of Michigan came down to fight for that land to make it uh, Michigan. And they showed some, it was black and white battle scenes, and this guy was voicing over this uh, little documentary. And all of a sudden, you saw a flash of something. And I didn't quite know what it was, but it was in color. And the whole documentary was black and white, so I see this flash of, you know, color, and I'm like, what was that? And then he kept going along, narrating this doc, and all of a sudden, you saw two flashes. And I'm like, was that a football game? And as it went on, yes, it was about the Michigan and Ohio State rival. And I was like, wow, these people are serious. <laughs> and that was my uh, introduction to the Michigan-Ohio State rival. We have about one minute before we have to break here, but is there a moment in all of those Ohio State-Michigan games that kind of sticks out to you, Dwight? Um, just the intensity of the game and, and all that surrounded it, uh, because Bo and, and, and Woody Hayes were friends. Uh, they all, I think uh, Woody Hayes was the head coach at University of uh, Miami of Ohio, and I think Earl Parsegian uh, came from uh, that group of people under Woody Hayes and Alex Agassi, Bo Schembechler, and it could have been someone else, too, but um, it was just nothing like it. Um, it's, I feel, the greatest rivalry still in college football because they were friends. Woody would never say Michigan. He would always say that school up north. And uh, it was always the last game of the schedule, and most of the times uh, I was at the University of Michigan – that game would determine who was the Big Ten champion. Dwight Hicks has joined us here on Sports Byline. We'll talk about his pro career with the 49ers, those two Super Bowl championship wins, and also we'll talk about his after-football life 
experiences in his career, being a television and a movie actor, a very successful one. And we'll talk about other aspects of his life and his career as we continue across the country and around the world. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Dwight Hicks is with us. He is the owner of two Super Bowl championship rings, which he won when he was a member of the San Francisco 49ers, winning in 81 and 84 for those seasons. And uh, we're talking about not only his college career, but uh, after that he had to go up to Canada to play his pro ball. He did so starting off his career at Toronto. Why was that necessary? Did you not get drafted? Did it not work out in the NFL? What's the story there, Dwight? Well, I, I think... Um... From what I understand, that Bo Schembechler put out that I wasn't a coachable player because, as I said to you earlier, I had an upbringing from uh, a very strong mother, and she always told me to stick up for myself. Now, I went to school as a good student, as a good guy, and uh, but I just, uh, and I thought for myself. Uh, as a young man, I, I had a lot of confidence. And um, Bo didn't uh, have much to do with the defense, but I guess he saw how people responded to me, the team and, and, and other people around me. And uh, he, I don't know, I guess he felt that uh, uh, the team respected me a lot, so much so that they uh, made me a captain. Uh, and when I was voted captain, Bo came up to me afterwards and he he told me that if it was up to him, that I wouldn't be captain. And, and here I had just had the greatest, um, uh, the greatest uh, attribute, the greatest you know that a, a young man could have bestowed upon him by his uh, his teammate picking him as captain, electing him as captain, and and Bo, I guess I wasn't his type of guy. So Pittsburgh wanted to draft me number one, and they drafted a guy named Ron Johnson instead. And uh, after that, you know, after the first round, you know, I thought maybe I'd get drafted in the second round, but no, I didn't get drafted until the sixth round. So uh, being a sixth-round pick, you're pretty much uh, expendable because they didn't, a team didn't uh, really invest that much uh, money uh, in you. So they released me, and uh, then I went up in Canada and played uh, about four games. And I hurt my, uh, my ankle, came back, and uh, signed with Philadelphia the following year. I wanted to go 
uh, close to home and play because I grew up right across the bridge from Philadelphia. And um, I went there in the wintertime, started working out really hard. Uh, then uh, the day after we broke camp, I was released. And then uh, midway through that season, the San Francisco 49ers picked me up. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah, let me clarify the story here because there is legend that says that you were managing a health food store, but you said, I think, I was working in the stock room of a health food store in Detroit. That, that, that is correct. I was not a manager, and I, I felt that I, I still wanted an opportunity to play because I thought I could play. Being in, uh, uh, being drafted by Detroit and being in Philly's uh, camp, I looked around and I said, I'm better than a lot of these guys, but it just wasn't working out, and I just didn't understand why it wasn't. But uh, I tell young kids all the time, I say, uh, if you believe in yourself and you feel that you could do something, don't let anyone take that dream away from you. So instead of getting finding another career, I just started uh, uh, working in this uh, as a stock boy in this appliance store because I was working out. And if I would have gone into the corporate world and started making money, I, I think that would have probably uh, solidified my career and I wouldn't have uh, played football. So uh, I wanted to uh, have a job instead of a career uh, outside of football and work on staying in shape, and being prepared when that opportunity presented itself, and it did. Let me move through the rest of your pro career so we can get to your acting career a little bit here. First time you met Bill Walsh, uh, and that was the start of the dynasty years for the 49ers. Tell me what you noted about him and about the difference in that organization than what you had seen previous in other organizations. Well, first of all... um, the 49ers organization was pretty unique, and it wasn't as far as uh, an authority type of uh, situation where, you know, you call Coach so-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. Bill made it uh, very apparent that, you know, we're on first-name basis here. Uh, we're, we're, we're helping each other. And uh, you have to respect us, we respect you, and you respect your teammates. But the real football aspect of it, I had never been around an offensive mind like Bill Walsh as far as paying attention to detail. And I'll give you an example. I can remember being in practice and Joe had completed a pass to Freddie Solomon or Dwight Clark, and it looked good. And any other coach would have went to the next play. Well, Bill says, back it up. Can we line up again? And he said, uh, he said, uh, uh, Joe, I, I, I need for Freddie or Dwight to have take one, two steps, and I need him to have the ball right now. Because if you don't give it to him right now, the fake that held the linebacker uh, in the play fake, he would be able then to recover to make a play if you don't give it to him right now. And I'm like, wow, that, that, was, that really impressed me. And I saw that this guy was a stickler to detail as far as being successful. You beat Cincinnati in Super Bowl 16, 26-21. You had a key interception in that game in the early going. Let me go forward now. You win Super Bowl 19 against Miami. 
But I really think the key thing was what you said to the team after the uh, NFL uh, season when they lost in a last-minute defeat to Washington, to the Redskins, in the 83 NFC Championship game. Now, I was there. Washington jumps out to an early lead. 49ers fight back, and they almost pulled it out. But you said one thing to your players that I think really launched the Super Bowl season the next year. You said, remember the feeling. Uh, that, that is correct. I, I was one of the first guys in the locker room, and if you can remember, uh, there are two inter- uh, uh, interference calls on Eric Wright and, and Ronnie Lott late in the game, mm-hmm. which uh, helped the Redskins continue a drive and then make uh, kick the winning field goal. And I was the first one in the locker room, and I just watched guys coming in very despondent, uh, uh, an array of emotions, anger, uh, just feeling cheated, and I, it just moved me and compelled me to, to say something. And I just said that, um, you know, we could blame a lot of things or make a lot of excuses for losing this game. But the fact of the matter is we did not play well enough to win. And if we're going to be champions, we have to play above the play calling. If we don't think the play calling is well offensively or defensively, we have to pay, play above the calls that we're going to get because we have no control over the officiating. And we're just going to be that, have to be that much better. And I said, so remember this feeling because you never want to feel like this again. When you go to Super Bowl nineteen, you destroyed Miami, and of course there had been a lot of talk about the Killer Bees, their receiving core, and everything. And you win that game thirty-eight to sixteen to polish off a fifteen and one regular season. But I need to ask you the question: How gnawing has it been since that season for you to think back on the one loss that you had, a game that you could have won? It was played in San Francisco, and it was a loss to Pittsburgh. Uh, yes, and uh, that was the only blemish on our, on our record. Uh, and, you know, the, all I can say is the other guys are getting paid, too. <laughs> and um, we were a little flat. We had a chance to win it at the end of the game, uh, near the end of the game. Uh, Pittsburgh was driving. I think the score was tied. And uh, they went for it on fourth down. I think it was inside our ten. Eric Wright makes one of the best defensive plays uh, that a defensive back can make on Stallworth. He lays out. One hand is behind Stallworth's back. The other one reached around and knocked the pass down. The guy on the play said incomplete, and the back judge threw a flag on Eric, and it wasn't even his call, to give him the ball inside uh, right around the one because it was interference in the end zone. And uh, Pittsburgh still couldn't push it in. Uh, so on third down, late in the game, they kicked the field goal and ultimately won. But uh, that was our only blemish, and, and I would put that team run up against any team in NFL history. That was one great team. And Jerry Rice was not on that team. Yeah, I agree with you. Dwight Hicks is with us, former San Francisco 49er defensive back, and Dwight, every uh, career has to come to an end in professional sports, and yours uh, finally did. You walked away from the game, but you decided to take up a second career. And after your football career, you went on to become a popular actor in films such as The Rock, Jack, Armageddon, In the Mix, also on TV shows How I Met Your Mother, Castle, Body Approved, Cold Case, The Practice, X-Files, ER, and The O.C. 
What drew you to acting? Well, I, I really didn't know uh, what I wanted to do after I uh, finished playing. But over the Pro Bowl one year, they asked some guys uh, to do a uh, PSA for selective service. So um, I was one of the guys they asked. So uh, there was script alongside the camera, and they wanted us to read it. So I read it. And the director said, wow, you, you read that well. And I said, well, I can read. He said, no. He says, it's the way you read it. And he said, you can make a lot of money reading script like that. And I really didn't think much of it. And then uh, I picked up golf after I retired. I'm walking down the fairway. And this was about three, four years later. All of a sudden, it was like that guy was right in my ear. And he said, you can make a lot of money reading script like that. So I called over to San Francisco uh, to a couple agencies and told them that you know, I'd like to audition for some commercials. And then I opened up my mouth and I said, if any films or TV shows come in town, I'd like to audition for that. And they said, oh, you're an actor. And I said, no. And they said, uh, well, you're studying. I said, studying what? I, I, I didn't know that actors actually studied. <laughs> That's how green I was uh, or ignorant I was of the craft. And uh, I started doing it, and I was winging it. And then I saw uh, J John, uh, no, no, no. I saw William Forsythe and, and um, Sean Connery do this scene, and I'm like, something's happening. I don't know quite what it is, but they were so seamless and organic in the way they were doing this scene, it drew me in. And I think that I saw the skill in that, and I said, that's what I want to be able to do that. So a year later, I moved down to Los Angeles, started scene study, and then uh, went on stage and, and kept going from there. And, and I felt that uh, this is what I wanted to do. We only have a little bit over a minute left. Uh, when you think of football and you think of acting as well, both of them have a commonality, do they not? You're being evaluated uh, from a moment-to-moment -moment basis? That, that's very true, but the difference is... Uh, Athletics, sports, is very objective, and acting is very subjective. So um, the two, you know, you can have two people do a part two different ways, and it's up to uh, the person that's watching to see whether they like one version or the other version. In sports, you either catch the ball or you don't. You make the tackle or you don't. So in that respect, they're different. But... In the respect that I see, I always started to pay attention to the nuances of sports. And then in acting, you have to pay attention to the nuance of the character and what's happening in the scene. And I, I think that's what drew me to acting as well, as I start to become more engrossed and really understanding the skill set and the artistry of acting. Because I had uh, that, I got that from playing football and watching film and, and paying attention to the details. But it's more physical and more mental in uh, sports. In acting, it's more, um, it's mental in a way, but it's more, it's about the emotional life of what you're saying. Dwight, I want to thank you very much. I've enjoyed our friendship over the years, but also your career outstanding with those two Super Bowl championship wins. And then I always smile when I see you on television with a role that you might be playing in. You are welcome here anytime. 
come up and see us in San Francisco. Well, Ron, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for the opportunity for this discussion, and uh, I look forward to our next time. Again, Dwight Hicks, former San Francisco 49er defensive back and now successful movie and television actor. We continue on Sports Byline. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.